0: How did you feel walking in this morning and you saw on the handout a new series called Heart-Shaped Generosity? Did you feel uncomfortable because we're talking about money? It's actually an interesting question. Uh, If you're a regular here at Southside, how often do you think we talk about money? Do we talk about too much or not enough? We had, uh, as David mentioned in his prayer, we had a leadership uh, planning day the other day. We had uh, a whole bunch of people there. Uh, there were 16 of us in the room and we were asked that question do you think we talk about money too much or not enough and it was laid out between uh, numbers on the ground between one and ten stand on the number you think do we talk about money too much or not enough and I mean, what, what would you stand on what number would you stand on too much not enough Where, where's where's the spot there how do you feel that we talk about money well I was surprised to know that in a group of 16 people cross-section of our church people stood at one end at number three and others at number nine which indicated like people feel differently about this stuff some people are more comfortable in that space and others are more uncomfortable in that space in talking about money and there's good reason for because we're a really diverse group of people that make up the family of Southside we come from very different economic backgrounds here so some people are going to feel more uncomfortable than others some people um Uh, have a different financial situations which make them more uncomfortable some people uh, have different ideas on generosity and how they handle handle money and that makes some people feel more uncomfortable some people have different traumatic experiences from previous church experiences the way they talked about money and how that's like picking at a wound that just keeps coming up so that's uncomfortable It's also our current climate that seems to be a constant drip feed of news about uh, higher interest rates, higher fuel prices, wages not keeping up. There's this whole thing, climate of this being overwhelmed by this economic noise and now churches jumping on board as well. That can make us feel uncomfortable. There's a whole lot of reasons that we can feel uncomfortable. I mean, try preaching a sermon on generosity in a single-income family, mortgage. You know, is there a good time to talk, on, talk about generosity and how we handle money? Part of me says there's never a good time. But part of me says, actually, if we're doing a fundraising exercise, you want to do it when everybody's feeling good and flush. Sorry, I'm going to swap mics here. It would be easier when we're all feeling comfortable about money to be talking about it but actually if it's a heart issue and this is what our exercise is it's not a fundraising exercise not trying to top up the budget exercise but it's a heart thing we're talking about actually when times are tough that is the time to be talking about money and our heart towards generosity it's when our hearts are starting to feel you know the tension between my needs and other people's needs and it it goes hard it shuts down we start thinking about our priorities not God's priorities so actually if you're feeling like that and feeling a bit uncomfortable about it all most of us are but this is a good time for us to be looking at the heart of generosity and I want to share with you that this week we've had lots of crazy things go on this week uh for me the time's just blown out just lots of unpredictable things happening but one of the joys of this week for me one of the highlights is spending time in this passage this passage has warmed my heart and that is my prayer for you this morning that you've come in here going oh what is this about sounds pretty full-on that you will walk away this morning with a warm heart from this passage how God reveals himself about his heart because that's what we're on about how do we have God's heart when it comes to money and generosity and we're going to be hitting this for the next 4 weeks just a short series just to think about how does God transform our hearts in that I think now that I've pushed lots of buttons with how uncomfortable we're feeling I might pray at this point that God will speak to us and reveal his heart to us let's pray dear father god just thank you that you involve us in all your work here in this world even when it comes to money and management serving you in your kingdom And Lord, thank you for the responsibility you've given us with stuff like money. But Lord, we pray now in our discomfort that you would speak to us, that you would see where we're hurting or a bit tired or where we're just a bit anxious and that you would speak to us and give us your peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage we're looking at this morning comes from the Old Testament. It's the book of Chronicles, which David read out for us earlier. Uh, and it, it is about King David. He's getting ready to build the temple, as David said. And uh, he's not going to build it. Solomon's going to build it. But David's doing the hard work of collecting all the money. He's raising support for this massive building project. And we set the scene a little bit before the prayer that we had read for us. And we want to see in this what's going on for the people. David's doing this massive collection. How do they feel about, what is the attitude? What is the attitude of the people in these opening verses? Let me pick it up from verse 1. King David said to the whole assembly, so he's got all Israel there. My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. This is a great way to to set up your son's ministry. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as oxen and set and the settings, turquoise, stones and various, of various colours, and all kinds of fine stones and marble, all of these in large quantities. So the king saying, we're taking on this big big building project. We're building a temple for our Lord. Here's a start. This is what I've put out. And this, we're not sure this is actually out of David's personal bank account or, or the Israel's treasury, but this is what we've got to kick it all off. Sounds like a lot of stuff there. But then he goes on in his speech. Besides, as in besides all that stuff, In my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasure of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for his holy temple. So this is out of his personal bank account. He was a rich man. 3,000 talents of gold, 100 tons worth. And 7,000 talents of refined silver, 235 tons. Now he says after putting out all his stuff and it sort of paints a picture a little bit like it's laid out in front of everybody this is the way i'm contributing to the temple he puts out the challenge to everybody else now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the lord today this is an awkward moment david puts his savings out there but listen to what he says because this word consecration means setting things apart for the lord So you might say uh, this building has been consecrated because it's set apart for the Lord. You might say David's money that he's put forward, his gold and silver, he's consecrating it by saying it's not my money or for general use. He's setting apart for the Lord, for the temple. Now he's challenging people. What are you going to invite you? Do you want to participate in this? But he doesn't say who's got more gold and silver to consecrate to the Lord. He says Who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? This is interesting. He's setting up a thing. This is not just a topic about money, how much stuff we can raise, but there's something going on between the connection between the stuff and themselves. Who is going to commit themselves to God to be consecrated for God's use? There's a heart thing going on here as well. It's an interesting challenge. How are they going to respond? Because put them all on the spot. Who's going to step up? We're told, Then the leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in, large, uh, uh, in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards a work of the temple of gold, and then it counted out. It says, you all need to know we're all seeing it. it's in public five thousand talents of ten talents and ten thousand derricks of gold it's measured finally that's 170.084 tons ten thousand talents of silver three hundred and forty tons eighteen thousand talents of bronze six hundred and ten tons and a hundred thousand talents of iron three thousand four hundred tons anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the lord in the custody of basically they gave it to the treasurer that needs to be looked after lots of information lots of detail because it's public everybody's there to see it now this is how would you feel if we did that if we said okay today we're going to do this exercise pull out a table here uh, the pastors are going to put out their giving in front of you. Then we're going to invite the elders to come put out their giving in front of you and the committee of management and our team leaders and maybe even our growth group leaders to all come out and bring out their giving in front of you. How would you feel about that? Because this is what's going on for those people. But how would you feel? Because I think some, something deep down in our heart, there's a bit of cynicism in our hearts. We're cynical. We're going, why are we doing this? Oh, these guys are just big noting themselves. It's their moment, a look at me moment. This is what they're doing. Or you could be thinking, well, this is some form of religious bullying that you're forcing people to come up in front of others to, to show their are giving. Is it religious bullying? Or is it oh, tap on the shoulder to you? hey honey, hide the wallet because I think they're coming after us next. Get the credit card away because this is, this is not looking good. We don't want to be caught up. In, a cynical heart can do that, to ask questions. What's going on here? What's the motives? What is their attitude? Because sometimes we can have that attitude when it comes to churches talking about money. That can be our attitude and for good reason, I might add. Lots of churches have been abusive in those situations. But what's their attitude to all this that's going on? the people um, looked that they gave willingly this is wasn't begrudgingly resentfully minimally they gave willingly goes on to say the people rejoiced at that and this is even some of their money because they're family leaders you're giving away some of our inheritance some of the money that we share in but they're giving it away but because everybody's going no no This is for the Lord. We want to do it and we want to do it willingly. The people, all Israel watching on, rejoices at this. This is their attitude. Why are they rejoicing? At the willing response of their leaders. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. The leaders gave willingly, wholeheartedly. There's this spirit in this room, this attitude in the room that this is great. Let's get on board. Let's throw the money in. Even David himself. David the king also rejoiced greatly. In the original Hebrew, it actually says he rejoiced joy greatly. It's like they, they really want to emphasize David was happy with what was going on here. And you've got to remember, David was the one who gave the most. David gave up most of his stuff to go into this, to this exercise and you know the cynical heart kind of says well david was a rich man he could afford to give it all up but you know whether you're rich or poor we hate giving up nearly all our stuff in fact it might be even harder for rich people to give up nearly all of their stuff but we actually think it's better when we receive stuff when we get stuff when we spend money on ourselves it makes us feel good and feel better these people are giving all their stuff away And they're they're joyful. They're rejoicing joyfully, greatly. This is a big party. This is a great day that they're going. What is going on here? That they would have this kind of attitude to generosity. It's it's generosity giving your stuff and having a smile with it. Man, I wish I had more. I wish I could contribute more. This is awesome. And then they're looking at each other. And you're doing this too? This is fantastic. We're all in this. It's an amazing attitude, a crazy attitude. How can I get some of that attitude? To be generous, to give stuff away, but with a smile on my face, to be happy about it, joyful about it. To have that attitude is it helped explain when we see David's prayer. and We see David's attitude when he looks at the magnitude of God. And yes, I'll give you the heads up. There's attitude, magnitude and gratitude in this sermon. I know it's corny, but it works. Their attitude comes from the magnitude of God. And we see that in his prayer. What does he think of God? David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. So they're all there. Got all the stuff laid out in front of them. Praise be to you, Lord the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wow, if you want to see the magnitude of God, how big God is, have a close look at God. David says, I'm looking at God and I see he is the everlasting to everlasting. There wasn't a time when he didn't exist. Before time, through to the, into eternity, God is there. He's that big. Get the picture of the magnitude of God's greatness. Yours is the greatness. It's God's greatness. God's power. God's glory. God's majesty. God's splendor. just goes on and on and on painting this picture of do you know how big god is you know when we look at god this is a great description of who god is look at the magnitude how good god is the magnitude of what he owns what he possesses for everything in heaven and on earth is yours nothing exists that isn't god's there's nothing in this world that god doesn't have control over it's all god's Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and he sits over it. He's exalted over it. We have a big God. He says, you have a big God. So stop and have a look at the magnitude of our big God. How does that shape about how David views himself? Because often we need, to, we need to stop and have a look at God to understand ourselves better. How does David understand himself in that? He says, wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. See, God doesn't only own everything. There's nothing that exists in this world that isn't God's. But he says, He gives us everything. So all this stuff is in the power of his hands and he pours his hands out to give us the stuff. We have nothing that doesn't belong to God or has been given to us by God. Think about that, how great God is. There's nothing in this that we have that isn't given to us by God. Think of our, our money and our stuff given to us by God. Our identity, our honour, who we are, is given to us by God. Our friends, our family, those closest to us, are given to us by God. The opportunities in life that we have, given to us by God. God puts his hands out straight from God to us. This is the magnitude of God's generosity to us. All we have is given to us by God. God is so much bigger than we realise the magnitude of who he is, the magnitude of his generosity to us. No wonder he says, Now, O God, we give you thanks and praise to your glorious name. See, it's when we see the magnitude of God's generosity, then it gives us the heart of gratitude. The attitude, the magnitude, the gratitude, the gratitude of the heart. See, there's more to David's prayer. He's going to go on. And by having a close look at God's heart, David sees himself and uh, who he is in that. And he sees gratitude. Because as he goes on, he says, and this is the prayer in front of all the people, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give As generous as this. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, jumping down to verse 15, as were all of our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. See what he's saying? Who am I that I'm in a position to be generous to God? I'm a nobody to God. It all belongs to God. Everything I have is from God. Who am I that I can do this? I'm a nobody. In fact, it gives us a bit more description. We are foreigners and strangers in your sight, particularly in this time. This is about 1,000 years BC. In this time, if you're a foreigner or a stranger uh, coming into your town, you don't have to do anything for them. They're entitled to nothing. You're not oblo- obliged to help them at all, saying this is what we are to God. We're foreigners and strangers before God. God doesn't have to do anything for us. He's not obliged to do anything. Even he says our days on earth are like a shadow. Remember we're talking about the God who is everlasting to everlasting. There's not a time that existed where God doesn't exist. But yet we're like this, we're in this world and then before you know it, we're out of this world. What do you do to people who are just passing by? Again, there's no obligation to help them. They're just passing by. Why is God helping us? He doesn't help us. He doesn't have to help us he doesn't have to help us in fact we often get this attitude where of course god has to help us that we have this spirit of entitlement that's he's a big god and i'm poor and needy of course he's got to help us no he doesn't is what david's saying he doesn't have to give us anything he's not obliged to He doesn't have to who are we to be in a position to give back to god But he goes on saying, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand. There's this irony part of it. It's like we're going to give back to God and we're going to give back generously to God. (laughs) But it's not just us doing it. What we've got to give comes from God also. Picks up in verse 16. Lord our God, all this abundance, you see it's very graphic, all the gifts. That they've given all this abundance that we have provided for building your, you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you see this emphasis on gratitude we're only in a position to give back to God because of God's generosity to us God's heart for us is so gracious that he gave us this stuff put us in a position to even give back to God but there's also this position it's not just it's God so let him have it but this act of responsibility it's like no no God gave it to us when you give somebody money you're giving it to them unless you put special conditions on it you're giving it to them for them to use whatever they way they want did David and the people have to give this money back to God I would argue no It's a willing choice for them to give back to God. That's the emphasis here. Even David says, "Uh, we have given you. It's like we've made the choice. We're giving our stuff. He says, all this abundance, we have provided for building the temple. We're giving you our stuff. So we need to act on it. It's, it's God's, but God gave it to us. He, You might say he entrusted us with his stuff. He's made us responsible for this stuff. And David's saying, look, we're giving it back to you. How good is it that we can give back to you because you've been generous to us? We can be generous uh, to give back. There's stuff going on between uh, his actions and God's generosity. See, sometimes we actually make a disconnection between what David's saying. What's going on in David's heart, his attitude and his gratitude, and with our actions. Because sometimes we want to separate those two, and sometimes for good reasons. You might remember the story where Jesus was calling out the Pharisees. The Pharisees are the religious people of his day. And the Pharisees were doing all the actions. They were giving, they were tithing, they're 10%. 10% 10% of their income was going to the temple. 10% of their, their um, pantry cupboard, their herbs and spices, they would cut out and give to the temple. Jesus could see their actions, but he called them out because their heart was wrong. He says, you've got wrong hearts. Why are you even giving? Because you're legalistic, you're rules-based, but it's, I can see your heart's not right. We also think of the disconnection when we see uh, Jesus commending the widow, the poor widow who dropped a copper coin into the collection plate, which was next to nothing, no money at all. But Jesus called her out and said, wow, she's got a big heart for God because she gave everything she had. And we kind of use our logic then. Well, actually, our heart is not necessarily reflected in our actions. Look at the Pharisees, they had bad hearts, big actions, the lady, you might say small actions with a small coin, but she had a big heart. There's a difference between our heart and our actions and you could also take that a step further, I'll say it a little bit differently. You can't tell my heart through my actions, so actions and our heart are disconnected and, you know. We look at stories and we can justify it in our own heart. You know, for us as a church here, our giving is anonymous, whether it's through cash in the envelopes, whether it's through bank transfer, it's all anonymous. So nobody's going to see. If somebody saw it and questioned, I'm not sure about your heart through your giving, you'd go, hang on, who are you to judge my heart? Because I say, Jesus, he's the only one that can do that. So we pull this disconnection between their heart condition and our actions, But at some point, David says, actually, I want you to see my heart through my actions. Measure my heart through my actions. His prayer goes on. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly and with honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. So what he's saying? David's saying, actually, I I don't want you just to look at this pile of stuff and go, David's the good guy. David's the religious guy. David's the devoted guy. He says, no, no, test my heart. It has integrity. He says, I gave willingly, with honest intent, with good intentions. He says, my heart has integrity. What I value in my heart, I've backed up with my actions. Same with the people. He says, how joyful I am that even the people gave willingly because that what was going on in their heart was backed up by their actions. That's hugely significant. For David's attitude is based on his gratitude to God. And he says, in my heart, I am so grateful that I've done this. Had the opportunity to do, to do this. And the people, my people have done this as well. Their actions of their heart plays out in their giving of generosity. It's God's generosity heart. God has been shaping their heart to be like His. Now, this is not, you would imagine a day, if we had this big collection day, it'd be like, oh man i've just given up so much of my stuff you know it's one thing to give but it's another thing to give joyfully and willingly and with a smile is this one of these days one of these occasions where these guys are being swept up in the moment they've given all their stuff and now tomorrow they're going to wake up and realize what have we done we've just put all our money uh, given it away towards the temple are they going to regret their decision because we're actually told about what happens the next day, down at the end of the chapter, where it says the next day they made sacrifices to the Lord and presented burnt offerings to him. Again, we're told how much. A thousand bulls, a thousand rams, a thousand male lambs, together with their drink offerings and other sacrifices in abundance for all of Israel. Hang on a minute. Yesterday they were giving everything they had and now they're giving even more. And with a smile, they're having a party. It says they ate and drank with great joy in the presence of the Lord that day. They've got something going on in their hearts that I know I need to be generous and with a smile, with joy. How do they get that? They have that attitude, gratitude to God. God is the big God. God is the one that has a great magnitude, his greatness, his power, his glory, his majesty. All things are God's, they believe. All things are God's, they know it in their heart. There's nothing that exists that doesn't be- exist, uh, that hasn't existed because of God. It all belongs to him. And with his own hands, he gave them what they have. Everything they had was given to them by God. They believed it. It shaped their heart. And it plays out in gratitude And with the attitude of generosity because of God's generosity to them. And they did it with a smile. They did it with a smile. And actually a great party. A great party. A joy that they all did it together. That they're all on this journey together. I had this amazing experience recently. It's about my mum and dad. And my mum and dad would be embarrassed if they knew I told you this story. So as long as nobody tells them I told you this story, everything's all good. But I was talking to my mum and dad recently. They're in their 80s. You might say they're on the home stretch. They've uh, set themselves up. They've bought them a house. This is a house we're going to see at our time. Upgrade their car. This is a car we're going to finish with. They, they've sort of set themselves up sounds very morbid doesn't it they set themselves up to go actually this is a way we're happy and content in life but hang on a minute we've got some money left over in a bank account and i think for most normal people on the home stretch you might say we might need that for a rainy day we might need this for other stuff but they had a discussion together not knowing family members not knowing that we actually want to not wait for our kids and stuff to get their inheritance. We want to actually give some of that money away now. But not just to kids. So some kids, in-laws, uh, grandkids and now great-grandkids, there's like 24 members of, of their family tree underneath them. So uh, we've got to check for those people who don't know what cheques are, the little bit of paper, you write the amount of money you want, uh, who you want it to, and you've got to sign it off. It's like making money, really, but it actually costs you money. So we got this cheque in the mail, and I was saying, you know, talking to my mum and dad, like, hey, thanks, you didn't have to do that. They said, oh, no, but we wanted to do that. And my mum said, you know, that day I wrote out 24 cheques. It was so much fun. She said, this cost them tens of thousands of dollars. But she says to me, it was so much fun to give it away. To have that heart of I can bless others or I can help others. Don't have to do it. And That made it even more fun. They want to do it willingly. They did it. There's something going on in that heart to be so generous but with a smile on your face. It's generosity shaped by God. When was the last time that you gave away money and had a smile on your face? That felt good. Or I wish I could do more. But you felt good about it. Because that's having that God-shaped heart to be generous. So I know uh, when we do that, and some of us might have experienced that, with sometimes when you give your kids stuff, and you see the smile on their face, you get that warm feeling. This is good. Or you've helped somebody in need and they appreciate it. You go, yeah, that feels good. It's not easy, is it? Because it's going to cost you. You have to pay for it. You can't just be handing out money left, right and centre. It's going to cost you. But there's something in that heart that's from God that says, no, no, generosity is part of who he is. And when you get swept up by that, it's not burdensome. It's not... Uh, resentful, It's not abusive. It's actually joyful and willing. That's a change of heart. That's a change of heart we see in Israel. They're like having a party that they were able to give and give so much. The more we let God shape our hearts to be like His, I think the more fun it is to give and to be wanting to give more. We need to just wrap this up, thinking, what does that mean for giving a church? See, I want to say, if you're feeling that cynical heart, that, hey, I'm not sure about this, that it is a bit resentful or bitter, every time you get the envelope in your your server sheet, you feel like you have to put it in, or every time you click the submit button to do electronic payments, there's a bit of hurt in that, that I really don't want to do this. If that's a reflection of your heart, don't do it. You have my permission. Don't do it. This is not a fundraising series. We're not trying to, you know, top up the bank accounts with this. But we want to let God shape our hearts to be like his. And if giving is something that you're not comfortable with, don't do it. Please don't feel pressure from us to do it. But if you're in a position where you say, actually, I want to pursue this heart. I want to... Uh, have the convictions that I believe turn into actions, let me encourage you to think about your giving and give regularly, willingly, but with a smile on your face because God's enabled you to do this. This is not about how much you give. So I know, like I said before, we're all in different uh, economic situations, but it does require some action, attitude, turns into gratitude, Turns into action. Doesn't work anymore. What was I saying? Uh, it, gratitude shapes our attitude. I told you it'd be memorable. Gratitude shapes our attitude. Look to God. If you want to grow in this space, meditate on God. Like the verses we've got up here. In our growth group study books, Uh, even if you're not in a growth group, you can grab one. So there's a a discussion on each of the four weeks. But there's also four Bible readings a week, and that's designed for us to spend more time just engaging with God on this stuff. So there's four readings there that help us just take a moment during the week to reflect on God's greatness, his magnitude, just to help shape that gratitude in our hearts. It's there to just just read the passage, make a note what jumps out to you, and pray to God about it. It's actually when we draw near to God, to look to God in the face and see his goodness, it changes our hearts. This is a journey. You don't go from zero to 100 overnight, but let me encourage you to be on that journey with us over the next four weeks. But start by uh, doing some extra reading during the week, extra time with God, and let him shape our hearts like that. As I said, I've had a great time in this passage because it actually changes my heart when I think giving is really hard right at this moment. But actually looking at God's goodness, I can give it and give it with a smile. I pray that that's your experience as well. Let me pray for us. Dear Father God, just thank you that you are a big, loving and generous God, that nothing we have hasn't been given from you. You don't have to, but you choose to. Your generosity to us is overwhelming. But Lord, help us to grow like you, to have hearts like you, that we might be generous like you, not begrudgingly or bitterly, but with a smile, with joy. Lord, help us to be like you. Help us to be a church that is known for its generosity and love towards one another because of you. Test our hearts in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.